All right, welcome back to yet another episode of Hammering Down. I'm your host, Keller Hodges. Um, believe it or not, I'm not yelling into the microphone today. I'm not ranting at anybody yet. Um, <laughs> this is, um, I've been doing a lot of recording lately, lots of fun stuff happening with Birmingham or not so fun stuff, depending on how you're looking at it. But I am being joined by a very special guest. Um, this is a guy that comes from the, you know, Loudoun County, Virginia. They, yeah. He is following all things DC sports, all things Loudoun United, which for a lot of people, you may think, why would you want to follow an MLS two team? But, you know, there's something to be said about following people from the academy to the senior team that gives you an extra bond. And oh, yes, definitely. Adam here, uh, formerly of the two Loud Adams, now the Next in Line podcast. Great yep. brand. Next in Line, an RFK Refugees partner. And I'm one of its co-hosts slash founder, Adam Mendelovitz. The other <laughs> one, Adam Davis, sends his regards, by the way. Well, welcome to the pod, Adam. Um, <laughs> so let's just go ahead and hop into it. You know, mm. you guys have been doing two loud atoms. And like I said, there's so many little puns in there. I mean, yeah, too loud. I mean, the, <laughs> I, I, the loud part was mm. lost on me for a little bit. I, it did not register about Loudon for the longest time. <laughs> and then it was probably like six months ago. I was just laying in bed and I saw your guys like Twitter handle come up and I was like, Oh, oh. <laughs> such a slow burn, but man, when it hit, <laughs> yeah, so, and imagine trying to have to edit if we shouted into the mic too often. So, it may not always be loud, but we try our best to enunciate from the diaphragm, as it were, of course. So, Adam, just whenever you guys are following you know, DC sports, whether it be loud and United, whether it be, you know, even maybe a little bit younger Academy, maybe mm -hmm. now I think DC technically does DC two is going to be it next year. Um, or There's the admittedly, we're not entirely sure what, whether it's going to be that loud will stay that and move down to USL one or the MLS next, or if it's uh going, or if they're going to split off, it depends on the language that was in the contract when they built Segra field. And also in part, uh, you know, interest in having a separate Loudoun team from D.C. Right. Which, you know, unfortunately, I'm not uh, privy to those discussions, only to say that the team we have now, yeah, is mostly uh, is like 90 percent minor league team for D.C. United, though the fans admittedly don't like to admit that. Yeah, there's always this funny connotation brought to the term minor league and this is a yeah. thing that i've been fighting hard in birmingham <laughs> i mean yeah. it is i mean i've been sitting there and people were like oh birmingham legion or minor league soccer i'm like no 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 shut your mouth stop stop don't yeah. say that because like minor league implies that i mean to me in my brain granted i follow minor league baseball really close it's like oh we're these are basically virtually unpaid interns that are taking up their entire life. And it basically yeah. comes off as not a real job, but like for a lot of these guys, this is their job. Oh and yeah, definitely. So, but you know, you're kind of talking about this, uh, <laughs> this DC soccer sphere, this ecosystem. Oh yeah. Um, I just want to touch on it. 
there was some spicy news today that they were recording this about DC uh, senior. Um, yeah, admittedly, I, we do we focus on the loud inside as not we have the United 96 from the RFK refugees. They're probably going to be talking about this later. Having said that, yes, El Profe just uh, knifed in the back without any warning, any <laughs> at all. I, I just saw the news this morning and I learned it about the same time as anybody else outside of the team mm, that's, that that's kind of nuts to me yeah um and i guess my question first off before we really dive deep into loud and united mm-hmm. um how does a firing of a coach in the senior team affect Loudon? right because as a team that is a two team you're trying to emulate the style that they're going to be playing in the senior team in most cases. Is there about to be a new style completely coming in? Is there about to be an entire wipe, basically, of what's happening at Loudon, Or is it going to be keep the ship? Well, I think Ryan Martin, you know, though he does or did uh, keep in touch with uh, Losada, he's got his own style that's probably from the Bielsema school like uh, Losada did. So I don't know if he's going to be as close with Chad Ashton or if he's just going to keep doing his own thing and uh, wait for the crew that he's got to adapt. Having said that, it is a unexpected blow. And also to hear that Losada might have lost some of the locker room on his way out, whether that's true or whether that's uh, a post facto justification for what the real reason is, I don't know yet. But what I, but as far as Loudon's concerned, I don't think that there's going to be too much of a, uh, of a sea change in regards to coaching philosophy. Like I said, they got Ryan Martin there. They've got uh, uh, former DC defender Frederick Briant uh, coaching them on the defensive side. I think those will continue as far as I know. So let's go ahead and dive deep into Loudon United. Mm-hmm. I mean. There is a lot to be interested here. Beginning of the season, admittedly, I'm a part of the problem here. I put out my preseason predictions, and Loudon was my wooden spoon winners. You know, I yeah. I think judging by years past, I don't think that would have been a hot take. But then out of nowhere, Loudon decides to come out and be the best team in the USL. Um, yeah. Much um, off of the back of this guy, I. I'm so impressed with him. I think it is a Tyler Freeman, 19 year old, uh, number 11. Yes. Um, might be one of the most underrated players in the USL. Yeah. He was surprisingly, uh, quite the spark on offense that we needed, especially considering that he, uh, he was with uh, sporting Kansas city's Academy up until uh, January of this year. And they just signed him off the street, like, you know, a week or two before the game started. Uh, So it was surprising to see him come on and provide that emphasis and uh, get pretty close to getting a hat trick in that game against the New York Red Bulls, too. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot that I think you could take away from these matches Mm -hmm. um, that you guys have played. But I want to talk about. I want to really dive in first to the first one of the season, the one where Loudon kind of came out and said, here we are. And again, 
granted, this is in hindsight now, uh, an indie team that is, for a lot of people, was, was not as good as expected. For yeah. me, I didn't think Indy was a great team coming into the season, but I thought that Indy was better than Loudon. And for people, before you go look at the stats and say, well, Indy had a red card, it doesn't matter. That red card didn't come until like the 89th minute. 90th. It, exactly on the 90th, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it didn't really matter. Uh, this match, you guys were all over Indy, and – yeah, it was really impressive to watch. What did we kind of see? What's been the transformation of this Loudon team that has been more successful? Well, admittedly, we didn't have the highest expectations uh, uh, going into the season as well. I'm talking about on the fan side. Let me break it that way. I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm insulting the players, uh, but. Uh, with a lot of turnover, you know, we were, it kind of wedged on a lot of ifs. If the uh, if Kamarni Smith could, you know, become that guy that BC thought they were getting when they drafted him a couple of years back. If uh, the new defense, both with Frederick Brion's coaching and the players, uh, with uh, Carson Von Steve, with Rio Hope Gunn, with uh, even Hayden Sargis, who turned out to be a you know former Sacramento Republic guy who keeps getting loaned to the loan down to Loudon. Uh, if they could solidify the back line and, and a rotating cast of goalkeepers that finally settled on Luis Samudio. And um, the defense really uh, helped, really stood their ground to the point where they barely had to, uh, sorry, one second. To the point where they barely had to, uh, work on the, uh, to where Luis Zamudio barely had to uh, make any amazing saves, but at the few times he was called on against shots on target, he did make those saves. Meanwhile, in the offense, we had, uh, you had Ted Cudi Pietro who uh, came back down to Loudon uh, dancing around the uh, defense, making defenders miss. He had uh, Kamarni Smith finally really proven a threat and you had, uh, you know, Jacob Green, Jeremy Garay doing their thing as well. Uh, hopefully they can get a chance to demonstrate with the first team, which they're technically signed to. You know, there was some really interesting things whenever I went back and watched the indie match. Um, you guys came out with a 3-4-3 and you went to attack this indie side. And this was a really interesting thing to see as, you know, Mark Lowry, um, Mike Lowry, Mike Lowry, Mark Lowry is a rapper. I always <laughs> do this. I do this every single time. Um, anyway, um, he, he traditionally plays a very narrow system. Does like he uses fullbacks, but his fullbacks are essentially just midfielders or just like central midfielders. He plays so narrow. And so Loudon comes out with this wider system where your guys like wing backs were spread out super wide, but your yeah. central midfield, it was so narrow where essentially it was a, you guys were in the run of play. We're playing like a, a three, a three, four, one, one, one where your forwards were all just in one straight line, just working the ball to each other. 
and it was really good. It was really yeah. impressive to watch, but as, and this was a very cool thing to see, but we didn't see that in later matches. And I know that was kind of a system to attack the Lowry deficiencies, but I feel like this match was the best we had seen them play. Just having the streamline working everything through the middle. Where did that go? Cause I feel like that was the most successful loud. And we've seen this year. No. Um, my personal opinion is that uh, ever since uh, Ted Critty Pietro left for uh, DC's first team had trouble finding any one uh, central midfielder to help, uh, you know, fill in his uh, shoes. Sammy Guderi, uh, has some moments here and there where he, uh, where he makes it work. And um, Azad Liadi, though, I guess he's more of a forward um, the way that they've been playing him. Jacob Green uh, and uh, Grant Lilliard, they're doing more of the wingback thing. So right now we're with the central mid, we are left with uh, Nikki Downs and Mike Gamble who are, you know, decent, but, Ted Cudi Pietro was a class above that. So it's, in my opinion, been difficult to find a, someone to fill that, uh, those shoes. Thank, I mean, that was another thing about the New York Red Bulls game when, uh, Red Bulls too, when uh, I got a red card, it really gave the midfield some breathing room. But um, ever since then, it's been a bit more difficult to connect between the back line and the front line from the parts that I've seen. Or it might just be a sign that they're coming into, uh, or maybe it's just a sign that they're, you know, finding themselves having to face a stiffer competition than they expected after the first couple of weeks. For sure. And, you know, Gamble was a guy I wanted to get to because I'm really mm-hmm. intrigued by him. Um, when I was doing, when I was doing some more film study with Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. Gamble, granted, I know that in modern day football or soccer, the numbers don't really mean like the number of the Jersey doesn't really mean as much as they used to. Yeah. But you know, you give the guy the number 10, that still means something. That's still your yeah. playmaker, right? Comes with Gamble, certain expectations. Gamble might be the most defensive 10 I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, there were times at during the Pittsburgh match, for example, where he was playing back, he was playing right back the entire time. I mean, Lilliard or Lilliard was playing up higher than Gamble. But the thing is, it didn't look like Pittsburgh was forcing him back more than it was. It felt like, you know, they just, that's where it looked where he was comfortable. And is that kind of, is that a common thing where he is just an excellent defender who has good ball playing skills or was this just a one match thing? I don't know if I'd call him a defender straight up, but I will say that he's more of a facilitator than a fantasy fantasista himself. I know. And like you said, yeah, the number 10 does come with a certain uh, expectations, but uh, he's a very unorthodox number 10 in that he's not the guy to, create space a lot but he will you know try and uh, rally the troops around and uh, cover where he can try to cover where he can where he needs to you know kind of going back to this Pittsburgh match because I feel like this mm-hmm. was I think this was the match where we started seeing the Loudon that we expected 
Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and that sounds really harsh, but that isn't that isn't to say that there wasn't a lot there to be impressed by. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever whenever Freeman eventually did come on to the match, I was very impressed with what I saw. Mm-hmm. You know, he he came in in the 55th minute and suddenly it looked like he was giving it just a little bit more attacking presence. He was playing up higher than a Hopkins was, or uh, I'm going to Liotti. Is that it? Yeah. Liotti. I think Liotti. Was, yeah. He was, yeah. he was front and center in that game. I just, yeah. So he, he was playing higher than them. He was pushing the issue a little bit more. So Freeman's been, kind of the MVP for me this season, but he's still coming yeah. off the bench. Is this a trust thing or is it just, he's 19 years old. Let's work him in slowly. In Freeman's case, I think that it's a, uh, I want to say it's a, uh, a form issue trying. I don't think that he's in anybody's doghouse as far as I'm aware. Maybe that changes after uh, Losada's firing, but no seriousness that, um, I think they're just working him in and he did get it. I think he got a chance to start against. Uh, yeah. He got a chance to start against the Oakland uh, mm-hmm. roots game, which did not like, go so well. No, and but we can talk about that more later. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> but as far as I know, it's not, I think it's more just the thing that, like I said, they had just, uh, you know, picked him up off the street practically a week or two before the games uh, started. Uh, so they just wanted to, be cautious with how quickly they uh, got him into the, into the uh, action. You know, let's, let's move away from the pitch for just a moment. Right. Sure. The, I think that the Loudon fans have kind of created this funny space within USL world, right. Where there are two team with the following, but they're not exactly the same following as, you know, necessarily DC, right? Yeah. Like you see sometimes people go to two not in matches and it's really just people trying to see, oh, well, one of our players just got sent down. We might as well go watch them or we have nothing else to do. But yeah. it feels like Loudon does have some dedicated fans. Yeah. Um, what's the kind of sphere like? Whenever you guys go out to Loudon matches, what's kind of the vibe from fans? Is it scouting for the future, basically, or is it like we are here because this is our club? Well, we're admittedly still working on the whole soccer hooligan thing, but sorry, I didn't mean to make you choke. Uh, <laughs> but, ser- but seriously, though, um, yeah, started with uh, Loudon Stampede. That was how uh, me, Adam Davis, and and a few a dozen of the other fans met uh, originally. And yes, there is, and I'm not going to deny that at most times when we do get a game broadcast on ESPN plus there's a dearth of uh, butts and seats. Having said that uh, among us stamp folks in the stampede, full disclosure, both me and my co-host were member were card carrying members. Um, in the stampede, we tr- we are there because, you know, it's our home team and we want to cheer them on, even knowing in the back of our minds that there's a very high possibility that they move to another team or 
up to DC or even just in a couple of cases, quit and decide to become a salesman for, I don't know, office supplies or something because they decide that uh, it's not for them anymore. But uh, as for the fans, you know, we try to do our part, both, uh, both showing up in the stands, waving the flags and to uh, get some of the uh, local organizations and small businesses involved, even uh, did a thing where we interviewed a few players uh, a couple of years ago, we'd uh, donate to a charity of their choice. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, it's a really interesting thing to kind of think of um, mm -hmm. because, yeah, I mean, being a fan of an MLS2 team, but that wasn't the original expectation almost. Like, I guess. it kind of yeah. was, but it kind of wasn't, you know? Like, you guys were you guys first. You guys were the chess piece boys, and then you just kind of went on and did your dang thing. And then – you know, DC rolls along and it's like, did, did their feel, did they, ah, wow, words. Did it in a way feel different once that official like change came through or is it still kind of the same club to you? To be honest, I can't really speak for before then because uh, I wasn't really involved until just as Segra Field was getting built. I was still pretty new to the area at the time. Uh, so to be honest, I can't really speak on how, what happened, what it was like before then. What I do know is that, uh, there is definitely an infrastructure there that was built in. There's several, uh, lower tier teams. You got, uh, you know, Nova FC for one, they just signed, uh, Alex Nagy who DC United drafted in the second round. And I think they're also in the, and unlike Loudon, they're allowed to compete in the U S open cup, though they didn't make it too far. They're still you know, they still have their own uh, charm, their own players. And, um, and also they've, you know, we get uh, colleges, we got the University of Virginia, University of George Washington, occasionally rolling through to do some scrimmages and various other teams here and there. So um, that, though, having said that to an earlier point, if you think that uh, DC United changed the culture such as it was, there is this, you know, thing in the back of my, this little thing in the back of my mind uh, that, who knows if uh, after next year they decide to take Loudon and run, are they still gonna, like, leave the training fields up, but say no, you can't use them; it's only for our people. But I don't have anything more than just wild speculation right now to say that. Fair enough. Let's go back to the pitch now, and yeah. let's compare, you know, kind of most recent results, right? For Legion, we are coming off of a Tormenta FC loss 2-0 at home. Um, that one was hard. That was a hard loss. And then right before that was a loss to a Detroit City where we were admittedly the much better team, but it didn't quite mm -hmm. go our way. You know, those are two just humiliating losses, to say the least. And for a lot of Legion fans – I feel like a lot of us had not felt this way since 2019. And there's been a lot of frustration building up. There's been a lot of, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this system? Why, why are we doing this? On the other hand, Loudon, yeah, kind of has been in the mud a little bit these last couple of years, but this year started hot. 
And let me tell you, because I run the, oh, spoilers. Um, I run (laughs) the USL show Twitter account. And, you know, I was seeing that you guys were popping up on our Twitter, just going crazy. I mean, John Morrissey was like, hey, watch out for Loudon this year. And we were all just like, okay, like, (laughs) all right. And then lo and behold, here you guys come. You know, obviously this last match against Oakland, this is a hard one. A 4-1 loss is never an easy one to take. But is the taste just as bitter as maybe it would have been last year? Or is there still a little bit of optimism right now? I'll say a little bit of optimism, if only because I feel like I got to say that for my team, but also because uh, uh, that uh, finally got Abdelatif Abokora, one of the handful of players been following from the uh, DC United Youth Academy, and hopefully that he'll get a spot on the first team in the near future. Whether with DC or someone else, I couldn't, I can't tell you, but he's been, he's been do a goal just as uh, Jackson Hopkins before he, or now that he's jumped up as well. Having said that, it does kind of sting when, you know, goalie that you've been, you know, watching make some really good saves, unfortunately did not do so well when it counted. It's the old joke, you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, also going back to like the Louisville city thing where, even though Louisville had less possession, Loudon's offense was just stone cold. Mm-hmm. And I was at that game. <laughs> so it was just a lot of, you know, back and forth in our own third and Louisville took a lot of shots. Thankfully, thanks in part to the defense, you know, they uh, were able, and thanks to Zamudio, they were able to stop him. But uh, you do got to wonder with all, with the recent uh, results and the ending of the clean sheets after the Miami game, um, if you think they're going to give Joe Rice a shot, because I thought, because originally they brought on Trey Muse and uh, Joe Rice, and then for whatever reason, they immediately lo- loaned uh, Muse out to uh, Memphis, I think. And they, uh, and Rice, for some reason, apparently he still had a, a one-game suspension to serve, which was somehow still effective despite the fact that it was in USL 1 at the end of last season. I, I don't get it, but rules are rules, so they he was, pick. <laughs> he was the keeper that was lights out with the Rev, Revs too, right? As far as I'm aware, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with what I saw out of him. I mean, he was mm-hmm. with the kickers for a little bit, I think. I mean – yeah. There's, I mean, Joe Rice is a quality, quality keeper. Yeah, it's definitely surprising that he hasn't got any run. Yeah, not to mention the, you know, the first three or four games, they plucked up someone from the uh, DC Academy as an emergency backup goalkeeper. We didn't, thankfully or not, depending on your view, we didn't have to see them uh, take the field. Uh, but you know, Zamudio was the hot hand. So I guess they kept going with him, but after that four, one loss to Oakland, uh, regardless of, you know, whether you think it was his fault or you think the back line let him down or both, maybe we see Joe then give Joe Rice a shot and see if he can uh, take the starters crown or I don't know, maybe Dane Jackman just pops up early. Like, uh, some of us in DC and Loudon are waiting for. I, this is going to sound overly harsh maybe 
But oh, good. Thanks for the warning. Yeah. Um, whenever I was watching this Oakland versus um Loudon match, it looked like the team was literally playing like a funnel to their net. And that sounds so mean, but what I mean by that is the front, your forwards um, through Freeman, uh, through uh, Liotti, and uh, through Smith, like those guys who were playing up top, they were playing so forward and so wide. But then when you get into the back line, you know, you had, you had, uh, was it uh, Hope Gund? You had yeah. uh, Stieg. And then especially Downs. Downs, okay. As a yeah. non, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why Nikki Downs was slotted in left or left center back. That one was a mystery to me. He was playing. He was playing higher than the defensive midfielders, and he yeah. was slotted in as a center back, leaving all this wide open space for Dennis and for uh, Cuero for Oakland just to literally run rampant down. You know the attacking right, your defensive yeah. line, and. Plus, Husso kept getting burned on a few different runs. Yeah, so which you hate to see it because he's been he's you know gotten a few uh, preseason games with DC, but I don't know what. So you kind of mentioned Downs, right? Yeah. So is he not a center back by trade? As from the what I've gathered, he's been like a midfield, maybe defensive midfield at times, but. I've never, but I've never seen him like play center back as his position in my, uh, my opinion. Maybe there's a couple games where he did and I missed it in the past, but usually he's been like in, in the midfield somewhere. So he is our Zach Caravo. Got it. <laughs> Zach Caravo is a guy that is an absolute monster in our attacking like midfield. He can be an attacking midfielder. And yeah. then we, there's just something we love to do. We're like, hey, Zach, I know you enjoy playing midfield, but have you tried the center back thing? And we just kept shoving him back there. And we're like, we have healthy center backs. Why are we yeah. doing this? Why are we doing that? <laughs> yeah. I think in the other part of it being that, uh, whether for call ups to the US Open Cup game or, uh, or injuries or what have you, the only, uh, uh, backs we had on our bench were from the academy not to you know take away from them uh we got uh especially uh mataya akimboni i've been number 41 he subbed in for a gamble i think um i think he's you know got some really good potential going forward on the defensive side but that's uh, the uh 15 year old right um actually i think he's 16 but yeah. Having said, but look, that's you know semantics. Uh, maybe old guy. enough to get a learner's permit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the important thing is that he's you know from the few academy matches I've seen where he's played, he's done some pretty good job anchoring the back line. So, but at the same time, I can you know asking him to jump in to a uh, USL match, especially you know when the momentum is going against us, is a bit of a tall order. He did the job that he could. So before um, we, before we just kind of wrap up shop, right? Right. I, I just kind of want to know, because like I said, this Legion team is sputtering. We're a team that we're, we're not scoring goals. We, 
we have decided that goals are for losers and Joe <laughs> is defending. Um, right. You know, that's um, that's kind of, you know, we don't need we don't need goals where we're going. I don't know where that is, um, but <laughs> it worked know. for Greece, sort of, kind of, <laughs> in the World Cup. You know, right, but seriously, though. No, I mean, what for for Legion? I think a lot of Legion fans will say the key to victory, and this is a shocker, is put the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> I know this is. It's the old adage of the old John Madden of just score more than the other team. You gotta score like, more points. If you, <laughs> game, you know, huh? <laughs> you know, and it it kind of feels that way, but you know to really break it down because Loudon hasn't really had the issues of scoring goals. You guys get your goals. You guys, yeah, for the most part, were defensively sound except for these last two matches. What is yeah. the key? What are the keys for Loudon to come away with three points on Sunday? Well, this is a tough question, but I guess it depends on, in part, you know, which uh, midfielders, which attackers we get. Um, if uh, Kimarni Smith can, uh, you know, rediscover his drive and go in tandem with Liotti, it would really help. And on top of that, if uh, Nikki Downs can, uh, you know, get put back in the midfield. If we can get Hayden Sargis back from DC, uh, it would really help, uh, you know, take some pressure off of the uh, defenders, but then, you know, we'll have to see if uh, Jacob Green, uh, Jacob Green, Jeremy Garay also come along for the rider if we have to uh, dig into one of the academy kids again, because it seems that uh, the couple that we've been doing, they've been getting called up. <laughs> like uh, Jackson Hopkins most recently, even though the, uh, just as an aside, even though the DC United game against Austin ended in disaster, I was really impressed by what I did see from Hopkins and, you know, being called upon to start shortly after getting called up. Uh, that guy's uh, got some real good, real good uh, potential ahead of him. But back on this topic, basically I'm hoping to see more than just I'm hoping to see more than just Liotti on offense. I'm hoping to see more than just, you know, praying that we keep it away from the goalie and not really a necessity, but kind of a hope that they give uh, Joe Rice some time between the sticks and see if he's worthy, still worthy uh, against uh, Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, right now, I think, I think for both these squads, a, if you look at both these squads and you just kind of see how they've played, I think you won't find the only thing that's going to be a massive difference between the two might be the point differential. Yeah. I think these are two very similar squads. And coming into this season, I wouldn't have predicted that at all. And I think some of that is like, Jesus Christ, Legion, like what are we doing? <laughs> but some of that is also – Congratulations, Loudon. You guys, I mean, yeah, you guys were the majority picks for Wooden Spoon, and you guys have already kicked that in the teeth. I mean, granted, it's early for all teams, but I think whenever you start off hot, it is a lot harder to get bad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so I've been very impressed with what I've seen out of Loudon. So, I mean, Obviously, we have our biases, but, I mean, this does feel like a match that Loudon can win. 
Yeah. Though I guess it's one of that goes back to any given Sunday talk, doesn't it? A little bit, but I think that any given Sunday is generally what you say whenever the 0-6 or the 0-15, you know, Cleveland Browns go and face, you know, the New England Patriots. It's like any given Sunday, the Browns will win. Uh, That probably won't be this Sunday, but that this is that could be this Sunday. This is not know, unless the Browns game. suddenly ended up in the USFL. I doubt. <laughs> yeah. But that's but a different podcast, anyways. That's a different episode. Um, but no, I mean this this loud. It's kind of funny though that you're being more optimistic about Loudon's chances than I am right now. I think part of that is also just me being sort of down on Legion right now. I think I guess we're, we're, we're respectively our own worst critics, you know, always, maybe that's what it is. (laughs) I mean, I think the thing is though, is that in the USL, there are so many good players and so many good teams, like even some of the worst players in this league are still really good. And some of the worst teams, they have their shining stars. And that's what we've seen so far is that Loudon, and this just shows you how fast that things can turn around the USL. Loudon looks like they have turned around quick. Yeah. I I mean, I know it may sound a little cliche, but I do think that Loudon is better than what their last few games have shown. Even, you know, in Pittsburgh, if not for Dane Kelly, the, you know, best USLC scorer of all time ever, and very briefly a DC United player back in 2018. But anyways, I'm getting off topic. But even during that game, before he scored those two goals, they were they were putting up a pretty damn good fight under the circumstances. Uh, it's a shame that it end, it's ended how it did. Uh, you know, sometimes it's as simple as saying, you know, everything was going great except Dane Kelly, which – you know, yeah. I think every USL <laughs> fan could sit there and say, yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we played really well, but the, see, the issue is the other team had Dane Kelly and everybody's like, ah, we've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man, two goals in 10 minutes. It, he's a freak, isn't he? He's yeah. so good. <laughs> Well, but yeah, I guess it'll depend on which uh, which teams we see come to play uh, this coming Sunday. I'm sure, you know, fans on both sides are just as anxious for this one. It's just <laughs> like, Jesus, which one is it? Yeah, well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on, man. Let the people know where to find you. Yep. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, Adam Delavitz here, my, me and my co-host Adam Davis, we do the Next in Line podcast. You can find us uh, wherever podcasts are sold, or well, not sold, or streamed, uh, Spotify, you're, you're getting, Apple you're Music. Selling yours? Whoa. Oh, shit. I was sure that. But seriously, yeah. <laughs> through uh, the RFK Refugees podcast network at rfkrefugees.com, find us there. We also have a Patreon on the very small but welcome chance that you want to give us money. You get to see our faces on screen instead of just hearing us. And we might have some more perks in the coming days if we can get that popular. But for now, but if you just want to listen, yeah, rfkrefugees.com. Look for the Next In Line podcast wherever uh, you listen to your podcasts. And uh, as, as I like to sign off, usually stay loud and united. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Adam, so much. And uh, for all the people listening, until next time, guys, keep hammering on.